You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. Well, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, uh, kind of unpacking uh, and uh, been growing in our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. He's not a what? He's not a force. He's not an it. He's a who. He is God. He is God in us, with us, working for us and through us. Uh, as believers. Um, He is a gift given to those that are born again. Um, So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you bow the knee to Jesus and and, uh, you have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, then the Holy Spirit has been given to you and He is in you, working in you. Uh, Jesus promised Him and He sent Him and we are uh, identified into the body of Christ through that Relationship. So Acts 1 has been our key verse. It says, and you will receive power. The word power there is dunamis, which is where we get the word dynamite. Uh, you will receive dynamite, miraculous, explosive power from God when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. We've been kind of unpacking what that means. Next week is our last week on the Holy Spirit. You're not going to want to miss last week. The Holy Spirit gives us power of salvation, the power of, of uh, he gives us the power uh, to comfort us, to convict us, to counsel us, to embolden us, and the power through spiritual gifts to make a difference in the world. Our life is a continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. We are part three. Uh, Jesus' life is part one. Acts is part two. We are part three in the continuing story of the ministry of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12 has been kind of where we've been the last few weeks. Let's take a look at it in verse chapter 12, beginning with verse 3. It says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. I believe that's verse 1, actually. And then verse 4 says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes each. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work, that is the Holy Spirit. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means it's given for the good of the church, through the church, to the world. It has been given every spiritual gift that God distributes to the followers of Jesus, that God gives to Christians, is given for the good of the church, through the church, to the world. Um, So we've looked at those first couple gifts, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the motivational gifts. They are the spiritual gifts that as a Christian you are given, that you are to nurture, that is yours to keep and to grow in. And then there is the manifestational gifts. We call those the supernatural gifts. Those are not yours to keep. They're yours as God gives, as he determines as needed to accomplish his purpose and his will on the planet. And then there are ministry gifts, and that is spiritual roles, and that's what we're going to look at today. And then we're just going to touch very shortly on uh, on the last one next week, but we're going to wrap it up with, with the idea of what the big, most important role of the Holy Spirit in our life is, is next week, so don't miss it. So today, I want to talk about ministry gifts, and that is the gifts that are given to individuals to lead the body of Christ. Now, I want to start off by saying that there are those, or that there is a movement today, particularly in the last 30 years to squelch the ministry of the church and to squelch the ministry of pastors and to basically claim that they are unbiblical, to claim that the pastoral roles in ministry and church and organized religion is pagan. There's a whole movement 
uh, with books and uh, to basically shut down the organization of the church. But it all, all it takes to clear up any of this, to clear up all those books and those Christian leaders that are basically saying that the church that has a pastor is out of biblical order is just to read the Bible for themselves. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about ministry roles. And these are gifts given by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit empowered the early church, he poured out his, his spirit on the followers of Christ. Every follower of Christ has been empowered with the dunamis of the Holy Spirit. But as you read Acts and as you read the New Testament, you see that the Holy Spirit had gifted specific people to lead the body of Christ. And these are specific Holy Spirit-empowered gifts. These ministry gifts or spiritual role gifts, they're given to the body for specific purpose and empowered with unique abilities to lead the body of Christ. So we're going to take a look at that today. And we're going to take a look at the role of the pastor uh, and the fivefold ministry, what that actually means. Um, let's begin right here in the book of Acts. Uh, meeting up with the leadership in the church of Ephesus. Uh, this is Paul's third missionary trip, and it's the last one recorded in the book of Acts. He is uh, wrapping up his his basically visit to his churches that he planted and extending his his uh, the evangelistic outreach as far as he as he can. He stops off at the coast uh, of uh, off the coast about you know 100 miles or so from Ephesus, and he he sends a report. Hey, bring the bring the elders in because I want to meet with them. And, and this is that last meeting he has with them in Acts 20, verse 22. He says, now uh, I am compelled by the Spirit. And this is interesting. We're talking about the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit leads us, guides us. Paul was being constantly led by the Holy Spirit day by day, walking in the Spirit. He says, now I'm compelled by the Spirit. Uh, I am going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there? I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. Now, this is interesting. We have uh, uh, this that common denominator of walking in the Spirit. I'm compelled by the Spirit. And then we have a couple of manifestational gifts. We have a, a word of knowledge and a prophetic word that the Holy Spirit gives to uh, to Paul. So we so we see the, the spiritual gifts at work the, the, uh, and the manifestational gifts at work. And then he goes on to say, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. And complete the task the Lord has given me. Man, that's my plea for my life. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. By the way, that is every one of our mission in life, if you are a Christian. is to is, That is the task. The task to bring and to testify of the good news of God's grace to every person and everywhere we go. But Paul has been given a specific ministry to not just live that in the environment in which he lives, but to actually go and extend that. As, as a mission in life. That's a specific call. We're going to talk about that. He says, Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. He says, I got this feeling that this is going to be the last time we're going to meet. He says, Everywhere I go, I'm running for my life, and I have this feeling the Holy Spirit's going to lead me. And by the way, in, in the same time, one of the guys, uh, 
uh, had a word from the Lord and said, you shouldn't go because you're going to get arrested. But he felt that that's exactly what the Lord had called him to do was to go there. Anyways, he goes, the last time I will probably see you. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of any of you. He says, basically, I've poured my life out for you. I have uh, done nothing but give my life to this church and to the mission and to the call of God. Um, uh, I'm innocent of, 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 of using or manipulating you or trying to siphon uh, your life or to it basically says, I've given my life for you. And he says, for I have not hesitated to proclaim the whole will of God. He says, I held nothing back. Now, we're going to talk about spiritual roles, but I want you to write this down first. And this is the first thing. Write this down. Is it not everyone is a leader in the church, but we are all called to lead in the world. Okay, now here in a minute, you're going to see how uh, God specifically ordains and commissions and empowers with unique spiritual gifts, unique ministry roles. Now, not everyone in this room is going to be a leader in this church, but every person in this room, especially the Christians, if you are a follower of Christ, you have been called to lead in the world. Now, this is important. All Christians are ministry men and women. All of us are ministers. Every Christian is a missionary. Every Christian has been given the command to go into all the world and preach the good news and to make disciples. Every person in this room has the same two missions. Number one, to know him and to make him known. If you're not a follower of Christ, you breathe to know him. And you won't know yourself until you know him. If you know him, then you have two missions to grow in that knowledge of him, to know him, and to make him known. That is your purpose in life. That's why you breathe air. Every Christian is a minister. We may not be a leader in the church, but we're all called to lead in the world, called by Jesus to tell the world of his good news. Christian, you are a leader. So he's talking to these men about his mission, and then he says this. I like this, a specific word to the leadership of that church in Ephesus. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all of the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Okay, so he says very specifically, the Holy Spirit has made you a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a very specific way. Different from the call on every Christian, you have been given by the Holy Spirit the mission to oversee or to lead the church. Your leadership gifting is by the Holy Spirit, he says to the leaders. He says, be shepherds of the church of God, calling all the leaders there shepherds, by the way. All these, he's talking to elders, he's talking to ministry leaders. He says, uh, Cover the church, shepherd the church, take care of the church, feed the church, protect the church, shepherd the church, which he bought with his own blood. He bought the church with his blood. Jesus poured out his blood on a cross to build the church. All right? This is vital. He didn't just pour out his, his blood to, to get people out of hell. He poured out his blood to establish the church of Jesus Christ. He put his own name on it. He says, this is my church. I'm building it. I poured out my blood for it. He established the church. The, by the word, the church, ecclesia, is assembly. You can't be the church alone. You can't be the church on your back porch drinking a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning. That's not church. 
That is not church when you have a little private Bible study and watch it on a screen on your computer. The word ecclesia, the word church, means to gather together. It means to assemble. We are the church together. And then around the world, the church universal is gathering individually, but we are part of the body of Christ. But we become the church when we are together. You are a follower of Christ. We're all part of the bride of Christ. But we become the church when we come together. And this is vital. Jesus says, I'm establishing the ecclesia, the gathering. I'm poured out my blood. Paul goes on to say, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you. I will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away the disciples uh, among them. He goes on to say in another place, he says, man, I, I pled with you with tears for three years to keep yourself aware and knowledgeable of the wolves that are out there to tear apart the church that Jesus gave his life for. Guys, listen, there are people, there are good leaders and there are bad leaders, all right? And he says straight up, you are a leader by the Holy Spirit, but be warned, there are wolves even in the church. There are bad leaders in the church, and they will lead people astray. And he says, I, he, Paul even may have been prophetic there because he said, even among your own, even among the church of Ephesus, there's going to be wolves. There's going to be false leaders. So be aware. His Holy Spirit gift, he says, the Holy Spirit gifts leaders, some to teach, to protect, to shepherd the flock. I want you to write this down. Number two, we're talking about spiritual leadership, and that is leadership in the body of Christ, the church, are uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit for ministry. Now, I've got, um, I'm going to come back to this lamp. I brought the lamp back out again for an illustration, and uh, I want us to, to take a look at this lamp today as as, uh, as the body of Christ, you know, of course, we're, we used this uh, a few weeks ago, how the, uh, the power of the body, the power of the church, the power of our life is the power of the Holy Spirit, and that God will, uh, as he uh, wants to use and work in us, manifest supernatural gifts in our life at his will. They're not things that we have and uh, attain and keep, but they're things that God uses and empowers us as needed by the hand of God. So we're going to come back to this in a moment, but he says, in the church... There are unique individuals that are, that are designed and gifted for the purpose of equipping and building and leading and protecting and shepherding the church. To every believer, Acts 28 says, keep watch and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. To every believer is given a measure of spiritual gifts. But the Holy Spirit uniquely calls and gifts specific individuals for unique purpose to guide and lead the church of Jesus. Not everybody in this room is called to be a pastor. Can you agree with that? Not everybody in this room is gifted to be a teacher, right? Not everybody in this room is gifted to lead uh, a ministry, right? But many are, and they're gifted by the Holy Spirit for specific purpose for the body of Christ to be leaders. Now remember, not every person is a leader in the church, but if you're a Christian, every Christian is called to be a leader in the world. Let's go on. What are these gifts of leadership? Well, uh, Paul, talking to the church in Ephesians 4, by the way, he's talking to the exact same people as he was talking to in Acts. He's talking to the elders in uh, Acts, the elders of Ephesus. Now we're going to look at who those elders were in Ephesians chapter 4. Okay, Verse 1, it says, As a prisoner of the Lord, 
then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Again, there are specific people who are called to specific ministry. This is important, all right, because there's an understanding of knowing who has a unique gift, a calling for, uh, you know, I want to say this again, every person who is a Christian is a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every Christian is a missionary. However, not every Christian is a minister leader in a church, okay? He says, some of you have received a unique calling. He says, be, he says, and if you are among those that are called, he says, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, uh, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. He says, you know, the gift, uh, this is basically the life of a leader. It is the calling of every follower of Christ as well to be humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another, being a person of peace, a person of unity, not a person of division. And he goes, there is one body of Christ, a one spirit, just as you are called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Man, I love this. He says, even though we're not all the same, we all have a place in the body of Christ. This is important. So maybe not all of you is ever going to stand up here and be on this microphone. Not everybody in this room is going to have an opportunity to teach or to lead, but every person has a place because we're all called by one God who has a specific purpose and plan for us as the church and as followers of Christ. So he goes on to say, he says, but to each one of us grace has been given. That word grace there is the word spiritual gift. Okay, he's not talking about salvation here. So he says, to each one of us, a unique spiritual gift, a grace, meaning an unmerited, undeserved gift from God, not gift from you, not a talent, not ability, but something that God gives you has been given, each one of us, given as Christ apportioned. And that means as Christ determines. So some of you are saying, man, I wish I could sing. Man, God, oh. you're like, when you sing, you're like, oh, I want to know you. I want to know you. That was a song we sang earlier, if you couldn't tell. So you're like, God, I want to sing. And you know, when we're clapping, you're like, you just, you don't have, it's amazing how many people cannot clap. I, I get the opportunity to, to help with our worship in our youth ministry. And there's a lot of your teens, they cannot clap. I, and they're not trying to be funny. They really can't clap. Now, I'm sure some of you are like, God, why? Well, he's given each of us a gift, a grace, a portion as Jesus sees fit. You know what? You've got something that I can't do. I've got something you can't do. Uh, we're all part of, of the body of Christ, one Lord, one King, one baptism, one body, uh, for the purpose of, of being what each other is not, you know. Uh, we need each other. We're all part of, uh, you know, Paul talked about this a lot, about how we're all different members. The eye can't complain about not being the hand, and the hand can't complain about being the foot. He says, but they're all given as Christ apportioned it, okay. Um, I like how the NLT says it. It says, however, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. I love that. Uh, given as God determines so he goes on to say, and these are the unique spiritual role gifts in verse 11. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now the NLT says, these are the gifts 
that Christ gave to the church. So these, this is important because I want you to imagine that these spiritual roles are gifts, just as the Bible says, gifts given to the church, okay? And I, I want you all, if you have your Bible circle, Christ himself gave. Jesus establishes the offices of ministry, okay? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, Christ himself. Church organization is a divine institution, not a human invention. This is important because a lot of people will say, well, church organization, pastoral leadership, you know, ministry roles, all that, that's a man-made thing. That's, that's, not, that's like people wanting power and corruption and all that. No, it's Christ himself ordained church leadership. Okay, this is important because Paul understood this to the point that when he went on his missionary trips, particularly in the first mission trip, he went from church, or he went from city to city, and he preached the gospel, and half the times he struck out. He would be chased out of the town, stoned to death, or beat to a pulp, dragged out to the city, left for dead. And he was constantly in fear for his life as he proclaimed the gospel from city to city to city. Then guess what he did? He turned around and he went back through the cities a second time to establish elders and leaders in the church. Guys, listen, Paul understood that Christ establishes leadership to the point that he gave his life to preach the gospel, and he gave his life a second time, Paul did, he put his life on the line to establish leaders in the church, to establish elders and pastor ministry, pastoral ministries. This is, this, is, this is important. This is not like an afterthought of God. Church organization is not, is not just kind of like, well, I guess we got to have it. You know, everything, everything that gets organized is corrupt. I hear that all the time. People say, as soon as the church got organized, it went bad. Well, you need to take that up with Jesus, okay? Because Christ himself established these ministry roles, and the Holy Spirit made and established and picks and empowers these leaders for that role, okay? And Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, let's unpack these Holy Spirit-powered ministry roles today. Okay, the first one is the word apostle. Now, many of you guys know that word apostle because we have 12 apostles, right? Some of you uh, have heard of the 12 disciples. When they were disciples, that means they were walking with Jesus, learning and following. The word disciple means follower. So they were disciples of Christ. They were followers of Christ. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all men. Uh, preaching to them the gospel, which means we are to make followers of Jesus. We're not to go and make converts. We're not to go and get people just to say a prayer. We're not to get people just to walk a line and sign a card and get a gold star and say, I go to church on Sundays. But he said, go and make disciples, people who follow Jesus Christ, all right? Now, when they were with Jesus, they were called followers and then after the ascension, he sent them into the world, and they became apostles. The word apostle means delegate, or one who is sent, one who is a, uh, the, the literal for messenger or for apostle is a messenger, one sent on a mission, a delegate of God's worst commissioned and sent. So an apostle is someone who is delegated by God and commissioned by God to lead 
a church or to lead, not a church, but the body in general. Uh, they became, they went from disciples to apostles, ones who were now delegates of Jesus. The closest I can see to actual apostles in the church today would be ministry leaders sent out from and supported by a local church who disciple others, who plant churches, who oversee them, who care for them or train them. For example, uh, there are ministries uh, uh, that are that are independent ministries, but they are under the covering of a local church. And that local church sends them out, supports them, empowers them as this ministry now leads and disciples maybe a, a mission organization where they are over several churches or several ministries or several campuses uh, or, or a, like, for instance, uh, Young Life, when they are under the covering of a church, they become, in many ways, those leaders become like apostles where they are delegates sent out and empowered by the church. Or when you have like a, a mission organization who, uh, like uh, we have a friend of ours who, who basically runs a ministry, uh, New Life International, which is a ministry that, that is a covering for Hispanic churches around the globe. Did you know that there's Spanish-only speaking people in Australia and in Germany and in all, all over Europe? Not just in South America. There are Spanish-only speaking people uh, all over the world that went there for work and then they, can't, they couldn't get out. They couldn't leave because of finances, and, and over the course of time, large communities of Spanish-speaking only people are all over the world. Well, what he does is he disciples these churches all over the world. He doesn't just do South America. He has a lot in South America, Guatemala, Peru, but he also goes as far as Australia and Europe, overseeing, helping, leading, uh, guiding, mentoring, discipling all these churches. That would be the closest example I would see of a modern-day apostle. However, there is no arguing that the apostles of Jesus were uniquely powered with gifts as founders of the church and are different from apostles today. We're going to talk about that in a minute. The second, he says, there's apostles, and then there are prophets. A prophet is a person gifted at expositing and giving divine truth supernaturally. Uh, now, this is interesting. This is confusing abuse. This is different from the gift of prophecy, which we talked about a couple weeks ago, because this is a leadership role. This is someone who's actually in the role or has that, that role of, of leading or giving, exposing divine truth on a regular basis. Sometimes they speak in a predictive sense, but most the times they don't, not necessarily. They are always subject to the discernment of local church leaders. This is important too. I've got some verses in your notes, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 Peter 1. Basically, even prophets are subject to the overseers of a local church. Okay, So even though they have a, an important role prophetically proclaiming the divine truth of God, they are subject to um, the discernment of other church leaders. Now, just because we're talking about prophets and there's a lot of false prophets out there, I want to give you the criteria of what the Bible says a true prophet is. So if you have a, know someone's got like a prophetic ministry, quote unquote, or if they, you know, they use, if you've been in Christian circles for a long time, you get these prophecy seminar conferences and these leaders and prophet so-and-so and prophet so-and-so with bishop pro so-and-so and all these like names and like here's the criteria for a true prophet according to the Bible. Number one, true prophets have pure moral character. So if you have a prophet that is anyway living a questionable life, he's not a prophet, shun him, all right? So a lot of these so-called prophets, they've gone through multiple marriages because of scandalous affairs behind the scenes. Um, they, they, they're known to live 
uh, lavish lives or they're destructive in their finances and they're not moral people. That's not a prophet. Number two, true prophets are never wrong. A prophet doesn't have an 80% margin, all right? They, they don't go, hey, eight out of 10 times I'm right, so you should follow me. No, that is, you're just really good at educated guesses, all right? And, or you may be moved under a spirit that's not the Holy Spirit. You might be moved under a false spirit, right? And a prophet, according to the Bible, is never wrong. In fact, so much that the Bible says that if there's a prophet who prophesies and it doesn't come true, in the Old Testament, you were to stone him. I think if we incorporated that in the church today, there'd be less prophets trying to make a prophet. Uh, number three, true criteria is that true prophets cannot be hired and paid to prophesy. Uh, Micah 3 talks about how a true prophet does not prophesy for money. So when you have these prophecy seminars that only cost $100 to go to, and they all split the bill, and, and, or they're making a living off their prophetic ministry, then they're probably not a true prophet because prophets cannot be hired and paid to prophesy. And fourth, true prophets never conflict with God's revealed word. Jeremiah 23 says I, that, he's mark, has a, that God has a mark against prophets that proclaim God's word, but yet they deny God's word or they contradict it. And there's harsh judgment, and you are not to have anything to do with a prophet that conflicts with God's revealed word. So biblical prophetic leaders speak words from God in complete consistency with the foundation of the Bible. Now, I want to say this again. Modern-day prophets are like modern-day apostles in that they do not operate in the same authority as the apostles and prophets of the New Testament. They do not operate in the same way. They are unique. In fact, Paul says in chapter 2 of Ephesians, verse 19, he says, of the church, the church, he says, Christians, you are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We're all part of the house of God. He says, this church, the body of Christ, is built on the foundation of, of the apostles and prophets with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. He says the church of God was built upon the prophets and the apostles that are in the book of Acts. Okay? So when we talk about prophets and apostles today, they're not moving in the same authority. They're not moving in the same gifting as the apostles and prophets of the New Testament. They were unique to that purpose. Now, there are still are apostles and prophets today, but they're empowered with different gifts for a unique and different purpose. This does not mean they don't. They're just different. For example, in the Old Testament even, uh, prophets refer to an office chosen by God to be his mouth. They wore this with great awareness and burden, and they were the highest authority in the Old Testament. Moses was a prophet. Jeremiah was a prophet. Isaiah was a prophet. All those books in the Old Testament that have a name, they're prophets. They're names of men who have the highest authority ordained with an office by God to be the oracle, the mouth of God for that generation. Now we have the Holy Spirit in us. We don't need that. And in the New Testament, um, they don't elevate prophets to the same level. In fact, it rather refers to them as a support gift and a support ministry. This tells us that even in the New Testament, they offer, uh, they operate different than they did in the Old Testament. And once the apostles and prophets built the church, even today, the apostles and prophets of today operate different than they did in the New Testament. In fact, most of the New Testament references to a prophet are all about 
how there are false prophets. There are very few references to the gift of the prophet in operation. There are some. There are even some references to prophetesses, women who prophesy. But most of the verses are about false prophets. It says this in 1 John 4, 1. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because there are many false prophets who go out into the world. Guys, listen, there are false prophets in the church of Jesus Christ today. As Paul warned the elders, he says, Man, there are wolves in the pack. And they are even rising up from among your own people. Be aware. Be aware because there are false prophets, people who claim to be the authority and power of God, but yet they deny the criteria and they want to elevate themselves to the same level as the apostles, which they are not, or the prophets, which they're not. So that's prophet and that's apostles. Those are the hard ones. Now these are pretty simple. Evangelist, that literally means a bringer of good news. Now, this is a role of someone. Now, all of us have been called to bring good news, right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? I've been called to bring good news. However, there is a unique role, a very specific role, where a person has been called to bring good news for their entire life. For example, there are those like you who are called to support missions, and then there are those of you who are called to be missionaries. Right? The Apostle Paul traveled the world to establish and plant and proclaim the gospel. But in each location, the church was established and people went to work every Monday. And people established their lives and their family and they did their community thing and they were good, upstanding Christians and they led people in their environment to Christ. But, but yet there are those who are specifically called to evangelize the world. They are people who are uniquely gifted by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to bring salvation in a, in a very, and to preach Jesus in a very powerful way. Um, throughout Acts and the letters, these are the people that sacrificed their life to travel and bring the good news. Uh, today, an evangelist would be a modern-day missionary, okay? For instance, uh, we have missionaries that we support. They're basically fulfilling the evangelist role. They're called to travel, to be there. You know, there is there's this, like, you know, craze when the first and second great awakening of America, I don't know if you know much about history, but in the early days of America, we had these like waves of revival, all right? A revival is where like, where like the church like boomed and people were getting saved and people were going back to the, to the church and claiming uh, that Jesus is their Lord. And they were, these, these great waves of revival in the early days were called great awakenings, where, where in America there was the first great awakening, second great awakening. During these times, they became known as itinerant preachers. Basically, they were pastors uh, of churches that rotated around the country, all right? They would basically pastor at a church for two months, and then everybody would rotate and then pastor another church for two months and then rotate. These itinerant preachers would go from town to town over the course of a couple months and preach the gospel in different denominations. Kind of That's how they covered the leadership of their church was through evangelists on rotation. Well, some of these evangelists on rotation also began to do what are known as independent revival services where they would preach and call themselves an evangelist. And that was evangelistic. But now we have, over you know the course of time, it's turned into this, uh, well, I'm an evangelist, so I'm going to go to your church. I'm going to preach the same three messages all year long to as 50 different churches. And then I'm going to ask for an offering at the end. I'm going to make a living on three messages a year. That is not a biblical evangelist. 
There are a lot of folks in church ministry that do exactly that. They take on the role of an evangelist. And then they, I get phone calls every week of guys saying, hey, I'm evangelist so-and-so. I'd like to come to your church and preach the word of God that God's given me. Blah, 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 blah. It's a message. I don't even call back. I don't even worry about it because that's not a biblical role. That's not designed. The, the evangelist is not designed to be a lazy preacher who wants to siphon off the money of churches he doesn't even know. Okay? So that's my thought on that. Biblical evangelism looks more like a missionary, people who are traveling, actually sharing the gospel at, their, at, at the uh, expense of their own safety. Um, then there are pastors. These are shepherds. The word there means literally shepherd. You might see it translated as bishop or overseer. Uh, they're the feeders, the protectors, the leaders of the flock of Jesus. They care for and equip the body of Christ on a weekly basis. This is the easiest one to understand because you see one right now. I'm a pastor, and uh, I, I, I seek to feed, to protect, to equip, to lead the body of Christ on a weekly basis. There are good shepherds, and there are bad shepherds. I'm going to tell you straight up. Paul said there are wolves in the church. So there are even pastors that, uh, that are bad, okay? But not every pastor is a bad pastor, okay? That's something you need to learn, okay? Just because you had a bad experience with one doesn't make all of them corrupt. Okay, and then there are the teachers. The teacher is an instructor of the Word of God. I'm not talking about a high school teacher or a junior high teacher or an elementary. This is an office in the church whose role is to instruct and teach and lead in the Word of God. This person is an essential part of a church. In fact, a good pastor will actually have this role. And in some lists of the fivefold ministry that we just said, they actually group the pastor and teacher together as one and say there's only four. Here's the way I grew up remembering the fivefold ministry. All right, everybody put your hand up, okay? Put your pinky up. The teacher, the teacher likes to pick at things, okay? Teacher likes to pick things, all right? And then you've got uh, the next one is, is going to be your ring finger because that's the pastor. He's married to the church. He's committed. He's not going anywhere, all right? And then if you close your hands, you see one's fingers taller than the others, unless you've got abnormal hands, uh, and that's the one that goes out. He's the evangelist, all right? And then you have this guy who uh, may be on staff in a church or the pastor, and he speaks right into your life. He speaks prophetically into your life. He seems like he's pointing right into your soul. He's the, pre, he's the prophet. And then you have the overseer of churches. Uh, in many ways, they're the ones that kind of hold it all together, all right? They're the overseers, okay? Now, that's how I remember growing up remembering the, uh, the five-fold ministry, and it's, these are gifts given by God to the church. You think you remember that? Pastor, I'm sorry, teacher, pastor, evangelist, prophet, and apostle. And when you have all five, boom, the church is a knockout. I know that sounds, that's lame, I know. All right, so when you have all, this is important uh, because this does not make the leaders better than you. A pastor cannot, uh, that does not teach well is not a good pastor. Because a qualification for a pastor is he must be a good teacher. A well-equipped pastor actually functions in many of these gifts at different times. In fact, the pastor Timothy was told by Paul the apostle, he said, Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. Okay, so even a pastor must do the work of an evangelist. All right, so be a missionary, be one who, who extends and goes and sends out and preaches the good news. All right, so I want you to write this down. This is important, and that is spiritual roles in no way make someone greater. 
They just make for greater responsibility. Okay, I want to go back to this lamp, and I need someone who can come over here and turn on this light for me. Um, how about you? Okay. Why don't you come over here, Brandon, and, and turn on that light for me, okay? Now, uh, remember, the, the body of Christ is, is the church, and in a, can, you get a, can you get it on? How come? There's no twisty thing. You can't turn it on without the knot. I bet if you got some pliers or something, you probably could, right? I, you know what you're lacking is you're lacking this thing right here, right? You're lacking that, that knob, that twisty thing, as you would call it. All right, why don't you go ahead and put that on there, all right? Screw that on, and then turn the light on, okay? Bam. All right, thank you. You can be seated. Good job. All right, now... This is what's important. I want you to realize this, and I keep saying that this is important because this is one of those things that we don't really function too well to, to understand, is the, the pastor is like this little knob right here, all right? Now, when you look at a lamp, you don't buy it based on the knob, do you? <laughs> You're like, man, I really like that knob. That is awesome. By the way, last time I used this, I thought it was a tree, and I got home, and I'm like, it's elephants, all right? So this is an elephant, not a tree lamp. So I'm like, man, that's a cool lamp. Man, and that knob, man, is awesome. But you can't turn on the light without the knob, all right? But you don't think of the knob as being the most important part, but yet isn't it? it is an important, a vital part of the lamp. Now, the body of Christ is to reflect and illuminate the life of Jesus, right? A church should never be about the knob. This is the pastor. The pastor is like the knob of the lamp, all right? It is the tool that God uses to equip the church to light up the world for the gospel of Jesus, right? But we don't go to a light and go, man, that's an awesome knob. And we don't, we look at the light, and we look at the light that it brings, and we look at the uniqueness of the body of that lamp, right? And we think, man, that is cool. I want to be a part of that. I want to, I want that in my life, right? But as vital as that knob is, it's not the focus of the body of Christ. A church where the pastor is the center of attention is a dangerous church, right? When you elevate a leader to the level of, of Christ, to the light, all of a sudden you're looking for disaster to come in the future. A good pastor remembers his vital, important role, but he's not greater than the body, and he's not greater than Christ, of course. He is a tool in which the church is illuminated. Guys, the church of Jesus Christ has been designed to have a knob, to have a pastor, to have leaders, to have spiritual callings on people to lead the body of Christ. And without it, we can try to function, maybe using pair of pliers and try, and you know what, it might work, but it's not designed to work that way. It's designed to have a pastor or to have leaders, to have pastors, to have elders. It's designed to not be the center of a focus, but to be the one equipping. And this is, this is something I want you to know, is that I'm not better than you. None of our leadership is better than you. It doesn't mean we're greater. It just means we have greater responsibility. Okay? The job of a responsible church leadership is not to hinder or prevent ministry, but to promote 
uh, but to promote it and to bring it into existence through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what Hebrews 13, 17 says. He says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Now, that is a very challenging verse for some of you. Some people are like professional church attenders. They will attend a church their whole life and never submit to the authority of that church. They will call the person up front a preacher, a pastor, you know, the preacher or the teacher, but not their pastor, their shepherd, their protector, not the one who, as long as I'm not your pastor, what I say is your is advice. But when I become your pastor, I become someone who is a spiritual gift to you that has been given by God to speak into your life and to help you grow in Christ. And it says you need to have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. There is authority given to spiritual leaders. Remember, this is the Christ himself commissioned church leadership. The Holy Spirit empowers church leadership. And this church leadership does have authority in your life. Now, a lot of people don't like that word and because especially men, they're their own boss. And, I, you know, it is a challenge to find a good church where you can actually feel safe submitting yourself to a leader. I've been in church over the years. I've been on staff. I've been in ministry uh, for, for uh, 20. I've been a pastor for 23 years, and I've been on staff at churches where uh, the pastor was, was not a good pastor and where he brought harm to people. And uh, I did not feel confident in submitting, and so I had to leave in, in some cases. Um, there, was, there were situations where that happens, and, but it never deterred me from knowing I needed to be under authority. Right? And so you need to find a place where you can submit to the authority of that leadership. Okay, um, If it's living way, then you engage, you commit to the church. In fact, we have an opportunity to do that next Sunday. Use your connection card today. Sign up for Living the Way. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Discover Living Way. It's next Sunday afternoon. Um, it's important to, to be a part of the body of Christ, not to be an attender, but to take the plunge and to be a member. And when that happens... You let me talk uh, into your life. You let me speak into your life. And it says this, because they watch over you as those who must give an account. Guys, listen, I will have to answer to God as to how I was a pastor and how I was a leader. Every one of our leaders will have to do the same. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden for that would be of no benefit to you. <laughs> I like that. He says, if you can learn to have confidence and trust your pastor, if you can learn to, to submit to your pastor, he says, by the way, they're going to have to answer to me if they're a bad leader. But if you can learn to have confidence and trust them, he says, it will benefit you. It will benefit you. And, and he says this in a way, he says, uh, so that, I love this, so that their work, so that my work will be a joy, not a burden. Guys, listen, it's a burden to be a pastor. It's a burden to be a leader. Uh, it is one of the worst, you know, I've heard, I, I did the study on, on the five hardest uh, um, insurance policies to write, and it's like there's like 
like skydiving and a hockey player and like guess in the top five pastors are in the top five when it comes to mental evaluations for for uh, life insurance and that sort of thing because the mental breakdown uh, ability of pastors is unlike any other profession uh, only 30 percent of ministers that graduate from bible college are still in ministry after five years because they all bail because it's hard in fact uh 80 of all church plants fail they close doors because it's emotionally, financially, mentally, physically draining. And you've got to have the call of God, and you've got, you've got to be called and empowered by the Holy Spirit, or you will quit. There are a lot of guys who want the power, who want the authority, like the uh, position of being up front and, letting, and thinking people are going to follow them. But if, if, if you're not called, you will self-destruct. He says, learn to trust them so that it will be a joy, not a burden. Okay? There's not a day or a week goes by where we're not burdened by something going on in our church, and that's just a part of carrying your burdens with you. But boy, it is sure good to know that we're not having to fight against the sheep to get them to follow Jesus and to serve and to volunteer and to show up when they say they're going to show up and to commit to the things that they say they're going to commit to. That's a joy. Man, there's nothing. Man, when we go home on Sunday afternoons and every volunteer showed up, that's a joy. It is. It's a joy. Man, when we go home on Sunday afternoons and the offering was exactly what it was because everyone gave because it was the call of God that, that they stepped into and, and believed, you know, it's a joy. But sometimes it's a burden. He says, but when you do that, it's a benefit for you. It benefits you. Having all the elders and staff uh, that we have, they've been commissioned by God. I want our elders, if they're here today, we've got quite a few elders out of town today. But if we have elders in the room today, could you stand up? And I may have our support staff, our ministry leaders that meet in my house weekly, if you could stand up too, okay? So our elders, I see one elder, two elders. Now Mike's out, okay? And uh, Tony's out, stands out, Jeff's out. Yeah, we're going to talk about them today. They're gone. Let's talk all about them. Let's go down the list. All right, now look at these are some of our leaders. Uh, we have, a, there's about, when everybody's there, we have about 15 people that meet at my house the first Sunday of the month. It's almost movie time. Um, and these are the people that will have to stand before God and give an account to what they have done. Okay? They will have to stand before God and say, God, I led your people under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So what I'd like to do for a minute is I want to pray for these leaders right quick where they are. And if you're a, if you're a member of Living Way, if you're just here, then bear with us. But if you're a member, just reach out your hand to our leaders around the room. We got some in the back. Just reach out your hand to them. God, I just pray that these leaders, these men and these women would take very seriously the call of God, which they have been appointed for, that they will embrace the level of accountability and, and the level of, of um of responsibility that they are at. And God, I pray that as a church, we would learn to have confidence in them as leaders and that we would have learned uh, that we would have the, the ability to, to learn how to submit to them as needed. And God, I pray that you'd help them, Lord, so that their, that their ministry would be a joy and that their ministry would be one filled uh, with, with the happiness and not a burden. And God, I pray that it would benefit our church, God, as they do that. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to end with this last passage in Ephesians 4. He says, Christ gave himself apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for this reason, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up 
until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know what that verse means? It means this leadership in the church is going to stay until Jesus comes back. There's going to be a day when you won't need a pastor. You'll have Pastor Jesus. There's a day when you won't need a teacher. You'll have Teacher Jesus, right? There's a day when you won't have, you know, need some clarity in what God's speaking to you because you'll be able to talk to him face to face. There's a day when you won't need someone to prophetically speak into your life because the Holy Spirit will be revealed clearly to you as you stand in the very presence of God. When Christ comes back, these ministry roles will be done away with, all right? So what I'm doing today, I'm not going to be doing for eternity, all right? This is a temporary gift. This is a gift, a role that's given to me as long as I'm breathing. And once this life is over, he says, we will become united in the unity. We will reach unity in the faith. Church leadership is part of God's plan until he comes back. I want you to write this down, number four. Uh, this is a Crucial, God's people do the work of the ministry. Leadership, equip God's people for ministry. Ephesians 4.11, sorry, 4.12 says that he gave these gifts, the leadership roles, to equip his people for works of service. That word equip there is so cool. That word equip means to mend. It means to fix. It means to put back together. The, the visual illustration here that he's portraying is of a net, of like fishermen who mend the nets every day so that they can bring in the fish, right? Fish, nets, it's always a picture of bringing in the people of God and bringing people to Christ. I am merely a net mender. That's all I am. I'm the guy who helps you to grow up in Jesus. I'm the guy who mends your net, who helps you to get your life together so that you can be a voice of God at work, so that you can be the voice of God at your school, that you can be a voice of God in your neighborhood. Our role is not to tell your friends about Jesus. Our role is not to go to your job and to your house and to your family. It's your job, and it's my role to equip you to be able to do that. Our role is not to plan every outreach event and make sure that our church is doing outreach or to get you plugged in into serving your community and to find what you're excited about. Our role is to equip you and to give you opportunities so that you might discover what you're inspired and equipped for. You are to do the real work in ministry. Our responsibility is to train, to teach, equip, and to serve the world as God leads, and to help you, to equip you to serve the world as God leads, to send you out, to just be the knob to get you on fire, to light you up through the Holy Spirit. I think a primary reason the kingdom of God is not advancing in many churches is because most churches think that the pastor and the staff should do everything. And as a result, it's like a bottleneck. Have you ever, a bottleneck, like if you have an old-fashioned Coke bottle or a plastic bottle, and you pour it upside down, it just like bloop, 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 bloop. It takes, it just, there's like, there's just so much that can come out of that hole. It's a bottleneck. There's not a, there's not a fluid flow. And so a lot of times when churches say, well, the pastor, the staff, they're, they're that, the, everything that we do should go through them. Well, you know, you're just bottlenecking what God wants desire to flow through us. We're here to equip you so that you can flow freely in the ministry that God has crafted and designed you for. Okay, so this is a Holy Spirit role, and I hope you 
uh, embrace that. We as a church are never truly going to step into the plan of God until all of us, until all of us embrace our role in the church, me included, and until you understand roles in the church. All right, so you, you do, do you hear the heart of Pastor Jesus today? He commissioned, he empowers, he ordained, he's challenging you. Do you hear my heart today? It's time to take the responsibility of what God has gifted you for. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you have given the church the gift of leadership. And I thank you, Father, that you have uh, empowered them with unique abilities to be able to lead the body of Christ for the work of the ministry in their work and school and neighborhood and job. God, I pray that you'd help me to be a pastor that is trustworthy. God, help me to be a pastor that lives a moral life that, um, that can model uh, consistency and authenticity in my walk with God. God, I pray that you'd help our church to, to understand biblical uh, authority. Uh, Lord, that they would learn to understand what spiritual authority is and, and to, to discern between healthy and dangerous authority. God, I pray that the Christians in this room would embrace their role in the church as ministers, as missionaries. And God, help me to equip them because the world is in great, great need today. And God, they need people to step into their workplace, to step into their school, to walk into that living room. They need a neighbor to knock on their door. And God, I can't do it, but they can. God, help me to equip them so that we can see the church truly be the most powerful force on the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.